Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Well, as you're well aware, life is made up of a series of choices. Most are mundane daily decisions such as what to have for breakfast or which way to drive to the mall. But others are far more important, like what career should I pursue? Where will I settle down or who should I marry? Then there are the choices that are vital to our well-being such as should I smoke? Should I bother to eat well and exercise? Should I obey the rules of the road? And then there is the choice that will affect us well beyond our lives here, that will affect us for all of eternity. The decision to make a priority the welfare of our soul. Yet, most people don't give a moment's thought to where they will be after they die. We hope that you will take the time here and now to consider your soul. In today's broadcast, evangelist Mr. Eugene Higgins takes up the Old Testament passage in 1 Kings chapter 18, where Elijah puts this question to the audience, How long? Halt ye between two opinions. There were two alternatives back in Elijah's day, and two alternatives for us today. What will it be? God's way or your own way? 1 Kings 18 and verse 21. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, Not a word. Now Elijah's question is the vital Bible question we'll consider together tonight. How long halt ye between two opinions? In the context of a gospel meeting, this question presents to us life's crossroad. It is the crossroads of eternity, if you will, because as Elijah limited the choice to two, so you hardly need me to tell you that your choice is limited by God to one of two. He says, if the Lord be God, follow him, but if Baal, follow him. The Lord Jesus tells us there is the narrow way to heaven, there is the broad way to hell. He speaks in one context of it being a choice between this world and the world that's coming. Elijah's question has great bearing and application to everyone here. How long halt ye between two opinions? I would like to take this question and apply it in connection with salvation. And so there are just four ways that we want to try to answer his question. First of all, when it comes to salvation, do you need to be saved or not? Do you want to be saved or not? Can you obtain salvation or not? And do you have salvation or not? That is very simply, do I need it, do I want it, do I have it, or can I get it? Those four ways in which I hope the question will be answered as far as which opinion, which way, which road you will be traveling. There is a, a department store in South Florida. It's called Mazen Hoffman. It is a, a men's clothing store. I, I wasn't aware of this, but the uh, Bureau of Engraving and Printing in Washington, D.C., 
We'll print sheets of $1 bills. This is in the U.S. currency. $1 bills. They'll come out either in a sheet of four or a sheet of 16 or a sheet of 32. Mazen Hoffman, at Christmas time, buys sheets of the $1 bills and sells it as wrapping paper. So if you go into the store and you pick out a gift for someone, you can also wrap it in $32 of wrapping paper. There is a sticker on it that reminds the people this is legal tender. This is, this is actual money. Uh, they don't give it away. You will spend $23 over the face value. You'll spend $55 for a $32 sheet of wrapping paper. It's an added gift that you give to someone whom you love. However, Mazen Hoffman has found out that countless people will come back returning an item, and on the receipt that they're bringing back, it is fairly evident that it had the extra $55 charge, and when they just casually ask the people what happened to the wrapping paper, they find out that the people threw the wrapping paper out. And, of course, their invariable reaction is this. I didn't know it was real money. I didn't know it was real money. Sometimes a person can leave a gospel meeting and he has never realized he is dealing with reality, with destiny, with life and death, with eternity. So come to the crossroads with me. Come to this place where two ways meet and allow me to ask you how long you will halt between two opinions. Do you need, do you need to be saved? Some people imagine that you do not. The Bible makes it imperative that you need salvation. It tells us, at least for these two reasons, why salvation is an absolute necessity. It is because of our outward danger, our outward danger, that we are traveling toward a disaster if we are in our sins. The Lord Jesus said, if you die in your sins, where I am, you cannot go. You must understand, friend, that every day you live in this world, you are drawing nearer and nearer and nearer to the inevitable, to the irreversible, to the inescapable moment when you will meet death and you will go into eternity and you are in grave danger and the Bible says you must be saved. It points to an inward problem that we have. It reminds us that we need to be saved because of something that's wrong inside of us, that we are sinners and sin cannot enter heaven, that nothing needs to be done again unless there was something wrong with the way it was done the first time. And when the Lord Jesus says you must be born again, it is because there was something wrong with your first birth. It brought you into the world as a sinner. It disqualified you from ever pleasing God or reaching heaven. And the Bible says, the Lord Jesus insists, you must, you must be born again. So, do you need salvation or not? God's word makes it indispensable. I can tell you that sin makes it imperative. Sin makes it imperative. That it is sin that bars our entrance into heaven, as I have noted. John is the one who tells us, There shall in no wise enter with anything that defiles or works abomination or makes a lie. Only those written in the Lamb's book of life. The barrier to heaven is not that you belong to the wrong religion or that you have not been baptized. The barrier to heaven is not that you don't believe strongly enough. And if you could just somehow work up enough sincere faith inside you, that would somehow equate to saving faith, and you would then be able to go to heaven. The problem is that you and I are sinners, and the barrier to entering God's heaven is our sins. And that is what makes salvation an absolute necessity, because those sins will one day bring you into a meeting with God in the judgment. 
The Bible tells us that we are already condemned, that we are already guilty before God, and that the moment will come when we will stand before God and be condemned for our sins because he is the just, he is the righteous judge of all the earth. You see, not only does sin make it imperative, but eternity makes it all important. Eternity makes it all important. If we were only dealing with earth, if we were only dealing with life, I want you to understand, I would urge you with all my heart to come to Christ, to trust the Savior, to enjoy real life. There is nothing that can match having Christ as your Savior. But the moment that you factor in eternity, endless years, ages upon ages, you realize that this is all important. Far better to make a mistake in any other issue in life than to make a mistake when it comes to the worth of your soul. Because what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Far better to miss anything than to miss the wonders of heaven, that glorious home that the Lord Jesus has for all those who trust him. Far better to experience any other thing than to eternally suffer the woes of hell and the lake of fire because you have failed to obtain what God says is all important, is indispensable, is essential. We must be saved. So if you have been halting between two opinions, whether you need to be saved or not, I hope you will understand that you desperately need God's salvation. Some people question whether they can get it. For a number of reasons, their question is, I, I wonder whether I can ever get salvation. So allow me, please, to try to answer that. I can tell you that it is the desire of God that you be saved. It is the desire of God that you be saved. First Peter chapter 2 tells us he desires all to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. The Bible approaches this vital subject from both angles, lest there be any confusion in our mind. First Timothy 2, where I have quoted, tells us that God desires all to be saved. That's what he wants for everybody. That's the desire of God. And so I could look you in the eye tonight, even if I don't know your first name, and tell you God wants you in heaven. God wants you to be saved. That's the desire of God. And in fact, in the very chapter where Paul tells us that this is what God wishes, that all should be saved, he uses the identical word, in describing the death of the Lord Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. See the, the limitless provision? Everybody. God desires all to be saved, to come to a knowledge of the truth. Christ Jesus gave himself a ransom for all. That's the limitless provision. His own words in John chapter 3 were that he came into the world so that the world through him might be saved. The world of men and women through him might be saved. There's a limitless purpose. God embraced the world. Human beings, there really is only one race, please remember that, just a human race. And God wished every human being to be saved. So Christ gave himself a ransom for all. And the reason he had been sent, the purpose of his coming was so that the world through him might be saved. And the writer of the Hebrews reminds us of limitless power. He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God by him. Everyone who comes to God by Christ. Everyone who becomes saved. He has limitless power to save them and to keep them. Because his death on the cross, the shedding of his blood, the ransom he paid, the salvation he procured, is a salvation sufficient to save the world. He gave himself the ransom for me. And I will walk out of God's court, not because I'm a wonderful Christian. I have no claim to that, I can assure you. But I am free of charge in the court of God because another died for me. That's the value of his death. Limitless provision, limitless purpose, limitless power. You say, but if I got saved, I, I just couldn't live like the Christians. I, 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 they, I, they do things that I don't enjoy doing, and they, they, they don't do things I do enjoy doing. Well, how could you live like a Christian until you had the Christian life? How could you enjoy reading the Bible until you know its author? How could you enjoy speaking to someone whom you do not know? But if you knew him, 
If you came to know Christ, if you came to know God as your father, it would be a totally different thing. And you would want to live in some measure to please the person who died for you. And instead of your imagining, I wonder how I could live like a Christian, let me just tell you that the moment a guilty sinner trusts Christ, Christ saves and keeps that person and will safely bring that human soul home to heaven to be with him forever. That's the death of Christ. You know the dealings of the Spirit of God are for this purpose? He reproves the world. God loved the world. Christ died for the world. The Spirit of God reproves the world. And tonight the declaration of the gospel is to every creature, to all the world. And so tonight I can tell you, no matter who you are, God is offering salvation to you tonight. You say, can I get it? No need for you to halt between two opinions. God is offering you salvation because of what Christ did. Henry Morehouse preached on John 3.16 in 1869 and 1870 for seven consecutive nights. His preaching would revolutionize the preaching of Dwight Moody. Moody would come home from meetings he was having, and he said to his wife, how's the young Englishman? And she said, um, she said he's different from you. <laughs> and Moody's ears picked up because he didn't want anything being preached in, in his area that wasn't biblical. He said, what, 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 what do you mean, different? She said, he preaches that God loves people and that he wants to save them. And Moody had majored on judgment and wrath. And seven nights in a row, he preached on John 3.16. And there was a man sitting in his audience named Philip P. Bliss. After listening to seven nights, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Then Mr. Bliss went home and wrote, whosoever heareth, shout, shout the sound. Send the blessed tidings all the world around. Spread the joyful news wherever man is found. Whosoever will may come. Can you get salvation tonight? He's ready to give you everlasting life if you will turn from your sins and trust Christ. No need for you to halt between two opinions as to whether you need it. God says you need it. No reason for you to hesitate as to whether you can get it. It's available tonight. Maybe the biggest issue we will face is right here. Do you want it? Do you want it? You see, this will sound overly simplistic to you, but whenever, whenever I'm preaching the gospel or I'm, I have the privilege of talking to someone who is searching for salvation, I start with a given. You know what it is? God wants to save you. So whenever a person does not have salvation, or is having difficulty getting salvation. Christians know immediately that the problem is not two-sided. The problem is never with God. He is not somehow holding out on this one individual, and, and this is someone whom he does not want to save. We start with this given. The heart of God reaches to everyone. The death of Christ provides salvation for everyone. The message of the gospel is to go to everyone. The Spirit of God wants to work with everyone. So if you're not safe tonight, then just come to this point with me. Do you want it? Do you want it? Some people are marked by terrible indecision, like Lot's wife and family outside of Sodom. It is absolutely ludicrous that with the judgment about to fall, they were, they were halting between two opinions. Do we, do we want to be saved or do we want to go back to Sodom? And here they are. In fact, the, the very word, how long halt ye between two opinions. It's an extremely picturesque word. It's like moving back and forth from one foot to another as if, as if you almost start this way and then you wonder about going this way, but no, maybe this way. And, or, or is it this way? And that's the idea. Moving back and forth from one leg to the other as you're weighing up these two roads. Do you think we should go back in? Or do we want to go? And, and what should we do here? And, and the angel grabs them and says, run, escape for your life. You marked by that kind of indecision? Years are gone that you will never recover. 
you have moved ever nearer and nearer and nearer to the unknown day of your death, closer and closer and closer to the day of his secret coming, when the door will close and you will be left, and you are wondering, I, I don't know whether I want to be saved or not. Some people get a good look at salvation like Felix, and they delay procrastination. See, delaying, putting off, postponing. Felix said, when I have a convenient time, I will call for thee. Not more convenient. Not more. He doesn't say when I have a more convenient time. What he is saying is it's not convenient now. Now, when a convenient time comes, then I will get saved. Do you remember that the people on Mars Hill, what they said? They said, we will hear thee again about this matter. Just not now. We'll hear you again sometime. He began to confer. He's talking about these gods, this God called resurrection and this God called Jesus. And, and we don't understand what he's saying. But, you know, some other time we'll look into this issue. Do you want it? Or do you want it sometime down the road? Because some people come to the point where it's absolute rejection. And they say, we will not have this man to reign over us. You will not come to me, said the Lord Jesus, that you might have life. He lamented how often I would have gathered you together, but you would not. Do you see where the blame rests? I would, he said, but you would not. You will not come to me that you might have life, is what he says. The choice, the choice rests with you tonight. How long hold you between two opinions? Do you want salvation? So come with me to this final point, and that is this. Do I have it? I can only answer that for myself, just as you can only answer that for yourself. So I'm going to answer it for myself. And I'm going to answer it by just pointing out three simple things that are facts in my life. The first is this. What does God say about Calvary? Did the Lord Jesus die for me? Now, I, I am going to tell you, I'm going to tell you how I know that I am saved. The first point is this. What does God say about Calvary? Did the Lord Jesus die for me? Well, the Bible says Christ died for the ungodly. The Bible says Christ suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. The Bible says when we were sinners, Christ died for us. He died for sinners. So when the question is raised, what does God say about Calvary? Did the Lord Jesus die for me? I have no doubt in my mind that if he died for the ungodly, and if he died for the unjust, and if he died for sinners, then he died for me. He died for me. And I can tell you the truth. As God is my witness, there are many times I've looked at my life and I've thought, what a, what a miserable example you are of a Christian. How could you be saved? But I have never once doubted that he died for me. I've doubted myself often. But I've never once doubted that he loved me and died for me. See? Because I'm an ungodly sinner and that's who he died for. Am I saved? Well, God tells me Christ died for me at Calvary. Tell me how I can go to hell when I have a man who died for me and put away my sins. What does God say about my sins? Are, are, are they gone or not? Well, he tells me that he placed them on the Lord Jesus. And he tells me that he erased them, that he blotted them out. Do you know that God has a unique, a singular ability to do that? No one else can do that. No church can do that. No institution can do that. No religion can do it. No religious figure can do it. God says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out iniquities. I am the one, says God. No one else can do this. And to the consternation of his enemies, the Lord Jesus proved that he was the only one who had power on earth to put away sin, to forgive sin. So what about my sins? He tells me he put them on Christ. He tells me Christ blotted them out. He tells me that Christ finished the work. It all has to do with Christ, not me. Back in 93, I had the privilege of being with a young man when he trusted Christ. It was, um, it was 1230 in the morning because we had actually gotten together late after meeting. I, I think we'd gotten together close to 10.30 or 11. It was 3.30 in the morning where his parents lived. They were absolutely thrilled to be disturbed from their rest and to hear the boys say, 
dad, mom. In fact, what happened was they asked him when they got the call and they heard his voice. They said, did you get saved? <laughs> and he said, I, of course, I'm sitting right there, so I'm hearing the one-way conversation. He said, yes, mom. He said, thanks for all your patience. Thanks for all your prayers. I love you and dad very much. Just, just thanks for everything, he said. So you will understand he was somewhat tired when he came to the back of the hall after the meeting. The next time he was out and took my hand and he said, don't ask me how I feel. Ask me what I know. Don't ask me how I feel. He felt exhausted. Ask me what I know. Do you know, if you ask me what I know, do you know what I can tell you? I know that Jesus died for me and put my sins away. I know that on the cross he took my place and suffered in my stead. I know that from his word. So if you say to me, are you saved? I don't halt between two opinions wondering whether I am or not. By the grace of God, I know I am because Jesus died for me. God blotted out my sins. And what does God say about my soul? Is it redeemed or lost? Because it really doesn't matter what I say to God. Sometimes I have, I've tried to, to impress that on people when I'm talking to them personally, that God's attitude, his thoughts, his ways are far above our ways. And to prove it to you, just, just please follow me now with this, if you will, for a moment. Suppose God said that you were lost and you insisted you were saved. Where do you go when you die? You go to hell. doesn't matter what you say. Suppose God says you're saved and you say you're not saved. Where do you go when you die? You go to heaven. doesn't matter what you say. Because all that really matters is this book. And God in his word has told me that the precious blood of Christ was shed for me. That he has forgiven me. That he has delivered my soul from the lowest hell. So when it comes to this question, whether I am saved or not, here's what settles it. Here's what resolves it. It's not my feelings. It's not my faith. It's not my life. It's this book. It's this unassailable, infallible, unshakable, eternal word of God. And heaven and earth will pass away, along with all of my emotions. When it comes to this subject, this book will not. And I rest on the truth of the word of God. How long halt you between two opinions? Do you need to be saved? Desperately. Urgently. Can you get salvation? Freely. It's available tonight. Do you want salvation? Well, I certainly hope you've come to the point where you want it now more than anything. And I hope you'll be able to leave the meeting saying, I have it. By the grace of God, I have it because I have trusted the word of God. Yes, my friend, the Bible tells us that we need to be saved. And it tells us how. Salvation is free and available to all, and we can know that it is ours, depending on what God says. Choose Christ today, and rest upon the unchangeable Word of God. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and the very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website 
at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior, and in times like these, you need an anchor.